Welcome to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. My name's Chris, and this is episode 32. Hello, and welcome back to The Kick in the Cast. So after I recorded and edited the last episode, I learned a little bit about room acoustics. If you heard last week's intro and housekeeping, you might have noticed it was a bit different in terms of audio quality than the story itself. As of this recording, it should be fixed, and I'll explain what happened later. For now, I have Chapter 2 of Ribbon Dancer on deck for you. If you missed the first chapter, please go back to Episode 31 to get started. Alright, so here we go with Chapter 2 of Ribbon Dancer. Ribbon Dancer, a Metamore City fan fiction, written and read by Chris Fitzton. Chapter 2 The plan had been a simple one. Celebrate his morph day with a few drinks, pop a couple of Tox block tablets to delay the effects of said drinks while he worked his shift, then go and have a few precious hours with her. Yet. Thanks to Mike's generosity, Carl had found himself with an incredible opportunity to spend the entire night with the tigress he loved. An innocuous gesture, leading to a well-intentioned surprise. And look what had got him. The locker room was quiet, save for the muted thumping of the bass against the walls and ceiling. The place was unusually full for a Monday night. Normally, the ribbon wasn't a jumping place until the weekend. At least, this unusual spike would make the bean counters happy. The more people showed up, the more money the place made. Carl sat on the bench before his open locker, staring at the floor but not seeing anything in particular. Instead of heading home, he instead returned to the club and sneaked in through the back entrance to the locker room. Why did he come back here? Didn't he want to be alone? No. Solitude wouldn't do now. It would give him too much time to think. He needed to be around people, or rather, he needed the noise. To be in a crowd, but anonymous. There, but ignored. Torn bits of paper lay at Carl's feet, remnants of the many photographs that once decorated the inside of his locker. Images of he and Amenia being silly, mushy, or just happy. Now, they were just bits of paper on the floor as worthless as his feelings for her had apparently been. Four months. Four fucking months. How could he have been so blind? Had she truly been that subtle? Over and over, he thought about those months. Try as he might, he couldn't recall ever noticing anything out of place. Her smiles were always genuine her embrace as tender, and her passion unparalleled. If she'd been cheating on him all this time, which she apparently was, she'd done a masterful job of covering it up. Either that, or he'd been so love-struck by her that he'd been oblivious to the obvious. Love. <laughs> what a joke. It seemed that love wasn't in the cards for the tiger. It certainly felt like the fates were against him in that department. 
Anytime he was certain he'd found the one, something happened and soundly subverted his expectations. Why? What great sin had he committed to warrant this kind of punishment? Had those voices that had kept him from taking the curse for so long been right? Was Eli punishing him by forcing him to be alone? Was this why he and Shara, his ears perked up at the sound of someone descending the stairs? He sighed silently. He wanted a bit more time. He knew he would have to confront everyone sooner or later, but he still hadn't worked up the nerve to do so. There would be questions about why he was back, questions he didn't really want to answer. Alex would no doubt tell him to go home, not when he needed at the moment. Carl closed his eyes and listened. The footsteps were light, so it certainly wasn't Mike. Alex? No. He'd most likely be grumbling about the customers. Tony? He always dragged his feet when he walked, and Jake had been walking with a limp since last month. What the... Well, color me surprised. Vinny. It figured. The fox made his way to his friend and sat down beside him. My, my. Done with Amy Pooh so soon, kitty cat? He chided. I always figured you were an animal in bed, hon, but damn. He chuckled at his own joke and gave the tiger a playful shove. Carl didn't move. Yoo-hoo! Earth to kitty cat! Come in! Silence. Carl? Vince's voice changed instantly from playful to concerned. He looked more intently at his friend, then at the open locker door, and finally down at the small pile of torn photos at Carl's feet. Vince added it all up in a moment, and his heart sank. Oh, God's Carl! He choked, moving a little closer. I'm so sorry. Carl leaned into his friend the moment he felt Vince's arm snake around him. Gently, the fox guided the tiger into an awkward but tight embrace. The moment Carl's muzzle touched Vince's shoulder, the dam burst. The sobs were quiet, but the tiger shook almost violently. All the anger, all the rage from the betrayal, Carl let it all out. Vince bit back a growl as he held his friend. He always suspected something about Amenia, and it appeared his instincts were right. There had always been something off about her, something that just rubbed him the wrong way. She seemed genuine enough when she dealt with Carl, but she was always holding something back. Right from the day he met her, Vince picked up on it. How long? She said, four months the tiger muttered, finally leaning away from the fox. He wiped his eyes and took a deep, shuddering breath. Four God's damned months. Carl told Vince about the night. The flowers, the surprise early arrival, and catching Amenia on top of that Monday, riding that meat bag the way she used to ride him. At the mention of Monday, better known as Mundane, Vince crinkled his muzzle. Had that been Amy Pooh's dirty little secret? Had that been what she'd been holding back all this time? He knew a few morphs who had a taste for so-called normal folk, but no one had ever set off Vince's senses like Amenia had. Did she say why? Carl shook his head. I really didn't give her a chance to explain, he said. 
I really didn't want to hear it either. I've got a pretty good idea why, though. Vince nodded. The phrase four months put it all into perspective. Four months ago, Carl did something for Amenia, a gesture that Theriomorphs typically only did as a sign of ultimate trust towards someone for whom they cared. He reverted back to his human form, revealing to the Tigress who he was before taking the curse of Metamorph City. Among Theriomorphs, such an act was normally avoided, if at all possible, owing to the magical toll that had to be paid after. Dropping the fur, as some called it, was only ever done in an emergency or as a gesture of the deepest trust between people in love. The fox shook his head. In Carl's most vulnerable moment, Amenia had started plotting against him. Disgusting. So why come back here? he finally asked. I need the noise, Carl answered, his voice still glum. Pretty sure if I went home, I'd just trash my place. It just need to be someplace loud, but also somewhere that I don't have to talk to anyone, you know? Vince nodded. I hear you. He cast his gaze toward the staircase leading back up to the club proper. Even though Mikey's covering for you, he said, I'm sure Alex could use his big kitty tonight. Carl looked at his friend and smiled. The playful fox was back. Just what he needed. Thanks, Vin, he said. For everything. Vince leaned in and gave Carl a gentle kiss on the cheek. Not the first time he'd done so. Hey, he said. Someone's got to look out for my kitty cat. Carl couldn't stop the chuckle that escaped his throat. There he is. He gave Carl one last pat on the shoulder. I'll go let the guys know. You go get yourself changed into Mr. Meanie Cat now, okay? Carl barked out a laugh as he stood up. Vince made for the stairs, but turned just in time to see the tiger peel off his shirt. The fox licked his chops slowly. Mmm, Lord, yes, he thought to himself. Oh, Amy, baby, you have no idea what you just threw away. No idea at all. Carl could feel Vince's eyes on him. He couldn't resist. With a smirk on his muzzle, he slowly stretched, flexing his muscles and letting out a low, growling moan. He heard his fox friend whimper before scampering back up the stairs. That should keep Vince's fantasies fresh for a few days, he thought. He reached into his locker for his bouncer's uniform. First came the black t-shirt with the club's logo on the front and the word security on the back. He wished the shirt was one size larger, but the tight fit helped to accentuate his musculature, which added to his overall intimidation factor. Next came the pants. He doffed his jeans and pulled on a pair of black, loose-fitting khakis. He then slipped his feet into a pair of composite-toed boots, ensuring no one could use a foot stomp on him to get away. The vest was next. However, this was no mere piece of clothing. It was actually a civilian version of the same tactical body armor worn by certain divisions of the MCPD or by private security companies. Some would consider this to be overkill for a bouncer, but this was Metamore. Overkill was not only underrated, it was non-existent. The last bit of clothing was a pair of gloves, again similar to those worn by the police. 
He could grip the business end of a knife with these gloves without risking injury. The gloves impeded the use of his claws, but given the kinds of fights he normally got into at this place, defense trumped offense. Adorning his vest with one canister each of pepper spray and garlic concentrate, Carl took a deep, cleansing breath and closed his locker. As he turned towards the stairs, he only hoped the club was as busy as Vince had claimed. More people meant less chance at conversation, strange as that seemed. The interior of the ribbon was laid out much like any other nightclub. A raised floor surrounded what many places would deem the dance area, but said area wasn't for dancing. Well, not by the patrons, anyway. Tables dotted the upper level for people who preferred not to belly up to one of the two bars to drink, and even from there, people had a good view of the lower area, with the main attractions put on a show for the customers. It was these attractions that justified an all-theriomorph security staff. It was these attractions that gave the establishment its very name. It was the Ribbon Dancers. There was nothing mythical or magical about them, though to watch them perform would make most believe otherwise. There were twelve of them in all at the Ribbon, each one representing one of the calendar's birthstones. They didn't all perform at the same time, or even all on the same night, barring a special occasion. Only three or four would be featured each night. As a result, each night had its own collection of regulars, as well as any new, curious folks who'd heard of this place through the grapevine. Each dancer had their own stage, about the size of a tabletop. It wasn't much, but it allowed them to move in their own unique, sensual ways. The stages were ringed with tables at which customers sat and offered tips when they were feeling generous. The tables were wide enough to keep the audience interaction to eyes only. Should anyone insist on a more intimate experience, well, that was where the bouncers came in. The ribbon dancers themselves were so named because of what they wore on stage. It was, for lack of a better description, a ribbon-style outfit that ran over each breast and then down between their legs. It covered what one would normally see at a strip club, and that was the way it stayed. Each dancer wore a different color matching with their associated birthstone. Gold runes, believed to be an incantation from the Temple of Hedonism, danced over the ribbons, giving them the illusion that they were constantly in motion across the dancers' bodies. Combined with the sensual moves each dancer performed, they were a sight to behold. Carl ascended the stairs to the main floor and easily slid into the darkness. Alex and Mike did spot him, though, but they merely gave him a nod. Vince must have talked to them already and emphasized that leaving the tiger alone would be the most prudent move for tonight. Relieved that he would be left to do his job, Carl settled in, panning his vision over the crowd. He watched for any patron who was showing those telltale signs that they were about to do something stupid. Tonight's dancers were Ruby, Amy, and Jade, representing the birthstones Ruby, Amethyst, and Emerald, respectively. That explained the crowd tonight. Ruby was normally a Friday dancer and the largest draw of the entire crew. Mari, whose stone was the aquamarine, was normally part of the Monday lineup. She must have called in sick. The tiger snorted. 
Judging from the numbers tonight, she wouldn't be missed. Or so he thought. His ears caught the commotion before his eyes did. Someone was standing by Ruby's stage, pointing at her accusingly. To her credit, the raven-haired, red-clad dancer was doing her best to ignore this person, but it was driving the other patrons away. Carl bristled. All he really wanted to do was to get through tonight, go home, and start coping with his new single status. Yet now, here was this Mundy daring to spoil his plans by having one too many drinks and apparently some kind of issue with Ruby. He began to move, the crowd parting for him like the ocean in that one legend. Any regular knew better than to block one of the Ribbon's bouncers when they were on the move. Any non-regulars were quickly pulled out of the way, others assuring them that offering any obstruction would be hazardous to their health. Carl bit back a growl as he clamped his hand down on the loud patron, who turned to face him. The overpowering odor of cheap booze, cheaper aftershave, and no deodorant made the tiger's nose crinkle in disgust. It took the patron's eyes several seconds to finally focus on Carl, but coming face to muzzle with one of the ribbon's bouncers did nothing to tone down his attitude. What? What the fuck are you doing? The patron asked. Gods, his breath smelled worse than the aftershave. Sir, Carl said in his best diplomatic tone, I'm going to have to ask you to tone it down. You're bothering the other patrons here and the dancer. Fuck you, the patron slurred. Where's my girl? Where's my Mari? What's this bitch doing up here? I want my Mari, not this slut. Sir, Carl nearly snarled. Okay, I tried to be nice, but if that's your attitude, I have to ask you to leave. He took a step back, giving this drunkard the opportunity to get up under his own power. It was all part of the protocol. Be nice to start. Be not so nice if things escalated. I'm not going anywhere until I see my Mari, the man said. He waved a hand towards Ruby. Get this bitch off the stage and get my girl out of here now. Carl sighed. Were he still wearing his U-tree pendant, he would be grasping it right now, begging Eli for strength. He leaned down and made sure to get right in the drunk's face. Sir, he said evenly. Mari's off sick today, and Ruby was gracious enough to fill in for her. That's life. That's the way it goes. People sometimes get sick, and they can't make it to work. The tiger then snarled slightly. It was subtle, a small warning that his patience was running out. Now, he said, his tone firmer. I've asked you to leave Ruby alone. You refused. I gave you the opportunity to leave under your own power. You refused. As of now... I'm authorized to pick your stinking, belligerent, drunken ass up over my shoulder and parade you around this place before tossing you out onto the street. However, I'm going to be nice for just a little bit longer. You're going to stand up, and you're going to walk out of here with me behind you. I'm giving you one last chance to keep your dignity. His ears flattened. I suggest you take it. He wasn't sure what part of that speech got through to the patron, but suddenly 
the drunk's expression softened. He finally realized just how much trouble he was in. Slowly, he nodded and Carl backed away just enough for him to stand up. Despite his drunken state, the man seemed able to move on his own and proceeded towards the exit with Carl following not two steps behind. The tiger felt relieved that the situation had been diffused without further incident. He could feel his claws twitching and his tail lashed back and forth, betraying his internalized agitation at this Monday in front of him. Part of him almost wished that the patron would try something. He wanted an excuse to unload on him and work through the already shitty night he was having. Leave it to the gods to grant one's wish at the worst possible moment. The path to the exit led past first Amy's stage, then Jade's, and then finally up the three stairs to the raised floor. They were just passing the bar closest to the stages when the drunk acted. In a blinding move, he reached over the bar and snatched a bottle of vodka out of a bartender's hands. The move was so sudden that it caught Carl off guard and he wasn't able to avoid the attack. The bottle smashed down on his head, shattering and covering him in its contents. Shock gave way to pain in moments. The tiger staggered back and was just barely able to bring his arms up to block the bar stool that crashed down on him next. He barely felt the expensive wood splintering against him, though. He was still trying to regain his senses from the bottle blow to the head. Where's my Mari? the drunk yelled, tackling Carl in an effort to get back to the dancers. Give me my Mari! Normally, Carl would have no trouble dealing with someone like this, but that blow to the head affected him more than he initially thought. Try as he might, the tiger couldn't clear his senses of the pain and the vertigo. Any attempts to stop the drunk were feeble at best, and he found himself staggering under the relentless assault. Finally, the drunk's momentum won out, and Carl fell to the floor. Rather than ensure his opponent stayed down, the drunk scrambled over the tiger and made for the stages, screaming Mari's name. A few patrons tried to bar his way long enough for the other bouncers to get involved, but his insistence to get to Ruby made him a juggernaut. No one was going to stop him from kicking Ruby off the stage and reserving it for his girl, the aquamarine ribbon dancer he'd come to see. The overpowering scent of vodka stung Carl's nostrils, but it did something more. Like smelling salts, the alcohol burned away the confusion from the bottle strike. His senses snapped back as he slowly rose to his feet. He turned and saw the drunk moving back to Ruby's stage. He dared. That damned Mundy dared to defy him? On top of everything else that had gone wrong tonight, this was the last straw. His lips peeled back in a snarl, revealing his fangs. Those who'd come to see if he was all right collectively took a huge step back, not wanting to be anywhere near this predator when he pounced. And pounce he did. In a leap fueled by rage, Carl propelled himself through the air towards his prey. The drunk had no idea what had hit him, only that something suddenly changed his direction towards Ruby's stage and sent him careening towards another. Jade's stage. The green-clad dancer had no time to react as Drunkard and Tiger crashed into one of the surrounding tables, skidded atop it, and plowed straight into her. Carried by the momentum, 
The trio skidded across the stage and the table opposite before collapsing on the floor in a pile of limbs, spilled drinks, and shattered glass. The drunk tried to scramble to his feet, but Carl had reached the limit of his patience. The tiger grabbed him roughly by his shirt and snarled at him. I tried to be nice, he said, rearing back and delivering a punch to his face. The drunk's head recoiled from the blow, and one look in his eyes told Carl that he would no longer be a problem. He released the shirt, letting the unconscious man fall with a thud to the floor. Carl sighed, letting the anger slowly bleed out of him. He closed his eyes and tried to bring his breathing back under control. The fight, such as it was, was over now. The incident hadn't gone as planned, but it was done with. All that remained was to either put this poor schmuck in a cab or have the police take him away, depending on what the boss wanted. His part in all this was over. He could finally get back to his night. What the fuck is your problem, you overgrown God's damned hairball? Or so he thought. And that's our story. My place has an integrated desk in one of the walls, which is perfect to serve as my new office with the new job and everything. However, acoustically, it's a bit, well, crap. I had to do something to dress it up a bit since most of my communication with clients and coworkers is done using programs like Microsoft Teams or WebEx. So to help with it, I took down several of the acoustic panels that I'd put up in my spare room where I do my recording. Since starting this show, as you can probably tell, I've gone through several iterations of arrangements and levels to make my recording sound as good as I can with what I have. I thought that with my latest iteration, basically going back into the closet, that the panels on my wall weren't necessary anymore, so taking them down to repurpose them would be okay. Oh, how wrong I was. As you probably heard last week, just taking down those 14 panels was enough to create a bit of an echo in the recording. Now, since then, I've replaced those panels, and for the office nook, I bought some new ones. It seems to be working well enough. At least my coworkers aren't complaining about the echoes anymore. Now, I did find a portable sound booth that's not a bank breaker, and I've got it on my Amazon wish list for now. I won't be purchasing it anytime soon, as the next few months I'll be focusing on getting my debts and other outstanding expenses under control. Unless I get some kind of unexpected windfall in the near future, I'll be considering that booth purchase to be more of a life goal, a sign that things are back to normal and that I'm okay. I will put a link to the booth in the show notes, and if anyone has any alternative ideas, I'm all ears. But for now, I think I'll end it here. As always, thank you for tuning in, and if you'd like to leave some feedback, please feel free to drop an email at outcastnovel at gmail.com, or you can leave a soundbite via the SpeakPipe app at kickit.yo5.ca. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and above all, have a good week. This is Chris, signing off. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. For more information, please visit the show's website at kickit.yo5.ca 
And to leave any feedback, please feel free to drop an email at outcastnovel at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and hope to see you next time.